As you are seated this morning, look at somebody on your left or somebody on your right and just tell them, oh, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Praise God. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We welcome you to Evangel Christian Center this, well, Christmas Sunday morning. We are glad that you are a part. Let's read together Luke chapter number eight, 2, verses 8 through 12. And we're going to be focusing our attention on the miracles of Christmas again today. Pick up the read with me in verse number 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Oh, let's just say that out loud. Do not be afraid. Can I just tell you right there, there's a message to somebody this morning. You don't need to be afraid about your future if you put your confidence in the Lord. Praise God. Do not be afraid was the, the message that came to them. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Praise God. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And over the course of the last few Sundays and Wednesday nights, we've been looking at the miracles of Christmas. And let's just think, if we could, this morning about some of those miracles. We started off by talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth and how they encountered their miracle in a very dark time. Can I tell you, friends, that you may be going through a dark season this Christmas, but God has a miracle available for you through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. We went a little bit further, and we began to look at, at a single lady by the name of Mary, a young woman who received a personal miracle. And I want to just share with you today that what Jesus came to do is something personal for you. But the amazing thing is it's not just for you, it is for everyone, it's universal. And Mary began to realize that this gift that God was giving was one that was going to be a blessing for her, but it was also going to be a blessing to the entire world. Then we went a little bit further, and, and we talked about the miracle that happened in the life of Joseph. And Joseph's miracle came in a season of darkness and unbelief. And let me say, friends, a lot of times we look around us and we go through personal unbelief. We struggle with what's going on in our own life like Joseph did. And Joseph looked and, and it seemed like his world was falling apart. It seemed like the, the principles and the truths that he had hoped in and, and the things that he believed for in God, that all of them were dissipating around him. But God showed up and shared with him a miracle. And friends, I want to tell you this Christmas season that there is a miracle for you even if you're going through a time of unbelief. So on Wednesday night, we looked at the account of the wise men, and I love this truth. Can I tell you today that wise men still seek Jesus? Oh, they still seek after him. And that's one of the great truths that, that we saw in their lives is that the wise men were seeking for answers. If you are looking for your miracle, I want to tell you, God will not disappoint you. God always shows up on time. He is an on-time God. You may say, I don't know, it seems like the hour's getting late. I want to assure you, 
Jesus is there for you even today. But today we look at the miracle that Christmas brings to everyday men and women during the course of what we would consider maybe to be a a regular day. If there was such a person in the Christmas story as an ordinary man or an ordinary person, it was probably the shepherds. You know, it was their job that was one that people looked down on. And you know, you may go to work on on a Monday morning, and you may go to a, to a job that a lot of people don't say, hey, that's a, a fabulous job, or it's a, a top job that I'd want. Maybe it's arduous. Maybe you have to work nights. Maybe you work outside. Maybe you work with people you don't like. Anybody say amen? I figured that would get a few amens. You know, there's usually a few folks out there that you could gladly change uh, the, the scenario. But in those times, we, we understand that, that shepherds really weren't the, the career field. People's kids probably didn't grow up, and they said, little Johnny, or maybe in those days, little Joseph, right? What do you want to be when you grow up? It was doubtful that they said, I want to be a shepherd. That probably wasn't what came out of their mouths, right? It was a little different. In the book of Genesis, chapter 31, we remember of Jacob describing what it was like for him to be a shepherd. He kind of gives us the context of how shepherds were, were always having a difficult time. It says in Genesis 31, 39 through 40, I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself, and you d- demanded payment from me from whatever was stolen day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime, and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. So I want you to just think about being a shepherd. If you were out there and, and somebody stole from the flock or maybe an animal snuck in and attacked a, one of the, the lambs or the sheep, it was likely that the owner of the flock would say, that comes out of your check, buddy. They were out there in the times when it was cold outside. They were working nights. Anybody ever had to work nights? Oh, yeah. I mean, I see people shooting their hands into the air. I understand that. It's not easy, is it? Sometimes they were, they were out there and it was hot blistering heat. Other times it was chilly. It was cold. And and that was what their lot was all about. But I have to tell you, I kind of connect with the shepherds a little bit. You see, when I was growing up, my mom was the music and drama person for our church. And and I remember a time when I was probably, I want to say I was seven, maybe eight years old. It was a Sunday. We, in those days, had Sunday night church. How many of you remember when churches had Sunday evening services? All right, that means that you've been coming to church for a while, if you remember Sunday nights. We had a Sunday night service, and it was going to be a kind of a, a musical, maybe a little cantata. They were going to have a, a little drama that went along with it. In those days, we weren't in this building, but we were in a different building, and it had a second level where there was a platform up kind of like where we have the screen. And, and so they said, we want the young people, the kids, to act out the Christmas play as the, as the narrator reads down through it. And, and so my mom said, you can be a shepherd. And I He's like, yes. And I remember, we got to wear costumes. Come on now, how many of you like costumes? If you don't raise your hand, I know that you weren't at the trunk or treat because I just know better. I mean, you guys get after it. So we got to wear costumes and we were there. And the thing that really stands out in my mind, we, we all of us shepherds were huddled around this pile of sticks and they, they put this red glowing light bulb so the, that we could glow, you know, the glow of the fire. I remember as a little kid thinking, red light bulbs, never seen them before, right? But the best thing about being a shepherd is that they sanction you as a kid to carry a stick. Let me tell you, that's pretty exciting right there. 
Most of the time, they're telling you, put the stick down. Don't poke anybody with the stick. But I mean, you are a sanctioned stick carrier as a kid. And so I kind of liked the shepherds. Kind of neat. They kind of stand out in, in my mind. Well, I want you to look with me at the account of these ordinary guys. Maybe even women. We don't know. We, we understand that there were shepherdesses in the, the Bible. We don't know if that's true in this specific account or not. But as we go, we see that the miracle of Christmas, and this is true for anybody. Can I tell you, the miracle that God has for you this Christmas may surprise you and it might overwhelm you. Go back to the word of God, verses 8 and 9. Let's read it together today. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, this this part kind of stood out to me in this regard. Can I tell you, most of us come to church on a Sunday morning, or we get up for work on a Monday, or, or we're getting ready for the weekend on a Saturday, and we just say to ourselves, I just want God to speak to me. Anybody want God to speak to you today? And most of us get a little spiritual and we say, I wish God would speak to me, that he would show up in my dreams, that he would show up at at the end of my bed, he would send an angel, he would dispatch from heaven. But let me tell you, be careful what you pray for because it says, and they were terrified. You see that? God shows up in those ways. God will speak to you. He may speak to you in ways you don't expect. He may speak to you through, through the word of God. He might speak to you through your prayer time. He might speak to you by somebody saying something to you, maybe a godly friend that comes and enters into your life. History tells us that these shepherds, though, may have been special shepherds. And again, this kind of applied to, I think, so many of us. Most of us, if you consider your job to be, well, I mean, you don't work in the White House. You don't work at the governor's mansion. How many of you would consider yourself to have kind of an ordinary job? How many of you have a super special job? You would tell us about it, but you'd have to kill us. We don't want to know, right? You know, I mean, I don't know. You got your little badge inside there, whatever. But all of us believe this, that we're somewhat special. I mean, no matter who you are, how many of you get up in the morning and you're like, you know, if people just knew how really cool I was, they would really respect me a little bit more. (laughs) They'd have a deeper appreciation for me. Well, these history tell us were indeed probably special shepherds. Yes, they were shepherds, but we believe that they were often, maybe very probably, shepherding the flock to be used for sacrifices in the temple. William Barclay writes this about them to, to, to see this. It says, to see the supply of perfect offerings was always available in the temple. Temple authorities had their own private sheep flocks. And we know that these flocks were pastured, now listen, near Bethlehem. It's most likely that the shepherds were in charge of the flocks from which the temple offerings were chosen. So even though they had an ordinary job, they were special. And I want you to know today that in God's sight, all of us are special to him. All of you are unique. All of us are precious in his sight. I find this kind of interesting because these shepherds, because they were not just anybody, they were shepherding the temple flock, they knew a little bit about what was required. They probably knew from the priests and those at the temple what was required of a perfect sacrifice. 
what needed to happen so that this sacrifice would be acceptable. But at the same time, they did not connect fully with the things that were going on. In fact, they tell us that the Orthodox Jews despised the shepherds because they were not able to meet all the ceremonial cleansings and purifications that were required. And I thought a little bit about that today, how that so much of the time, even though we can know about God, we may not know God deeply as we should. We had a gentleman in our church some years ago who had been a, one of the dean of students for, for one of our Christian colleges, and, and then they had moved here, and he was talking to me one day, and he said, you know, Pastor Brenton, one of the things about the church in the United States is so often, it's about a mile wide and an inch deep. And that just stuck into my mind that so much of the time, the church in general, we may do exciting things. We may talk about God. We may say we know about God. But let me tell you, how deep are you in your relationship with the Lord? So these shepherds probably struggled in some of those areas. Many people are, are like that today. Maybe you come to church on Sundays or only on Easter or maybe at Christmas time, and, and you're conversational about God on, on a shallow level, but let me tell you, God wants to take you deeper. He wants to do something in your life that is unique and, and that is special. And, and here's another interesting truth. Barclay goes on and writes, shepherds were despised by the orthodox good people of the day. They were quite unable to keep the details of the ceremonial law. They could not observe all their meticulous hand washings and rules and regulations. Their flocks made far too constant demands on them. And so the orthodox looked down on them. And so you see, a lot of folks today might say, Pastor, it's easy for me to get excited about God on Sunday mornings because I'm in the house of God and I'm with other believers and I can lift up my hands or I can bow my head and I can worship God and I can feel God, but it's a little harder when I'm out rubbing shoulders with the difficult people I deal with on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It's harder. It's harder out there. It's more difficult. People don't respect or, or even support my faith in Christ. And yet, in the midst of all of this, can I tell you that it's easy for us to then have spiritual doubts about ourselves? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but let's be real. Most all of us this week have had some spiritual doubts about ourselves. Would God really want me? Does Jesus really care about where I'm at? While Christmas should be a great time of celebration, it can be a, a time of real seasonal insecurity. You know, I hear about Jesus coming, and he's coming for all, and he loves the whole world. But if people knew about my struggle, if people knew about my doubts, if people knew about my deepest fear, I don't know if God would really want me or love me. You see, the miracle of Christmas is that God came in spite of our failings. God didn't come for humanity because we were so good. He came in spite of the fact that we were so flawed. In spite of the fact that we had so many weaknesses. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by God's love and care for you today takes us to something else that we can look at. You know that, that the miracle of Christmas is a personal miracle. 
I think one of the most powerful statements made the first Christmas season was to the shepherds, and it's found in verses 10 and 11. So let's take our Bibles and go to Luke 2, verses 10 and 11, and it says there, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, look at somebody say you. Okay, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now this was a message to you, and it's for all all the people, all the yous in this room, everybody in this room, all of us, for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born, here it comes again, to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now I have to believe that this was a wake-up call. Has anybody ever gotten a wake-up call? Come on now, how many of you have ever stayed in a hotel and asked for a wake-up call? Now, you know the way that this works. When you get to a hotel, usually you've been traveling a while and you're tired. And so most of us, let's, let's, let's be honest now. How many of you like to get the free breakfast? I mean, you're not just staying there for no reason. It's because these people have waffles and they're for free in the morning. And that's the reason that you're going to get. And But I've always noticed this. These people at the hotels are tricky because they cut those things off earlier than I want to get up. So I make a decision. I look at the sign when I'm going upstairs. I ask him, you guys serve breakfast till 9.30? Yes, we do. Give me a wake-up call at 9.25, if you would, please. Right? So there you are in your room. It's dark. I don't know about how it is at your place of where you stay, but I've noticed that they have blackout curtains, right? I mean, it could be 10.30 in the morning, but it looks like it's 4 in the morning in your room. It's dark. You're laying there. You're tired. You don't want to miss breakfast. And all of a sudden, in your deepest sleep, the phone rings, and it is terrifying. Have you ever been jolted awake? And all of a sudden, the first question that comes to your mind is, where am I? Second question is, where's that phone? And as you pick it up, you get this recording that says something in effect. This is your wake-up call. Thank you for staying with us here. At the, you're like, oh, my goodness. But you're now awake. Now, I want you to know that the, the shepherds were hanging out. They were telling shepherd campfire stories, right? You know? You see that one sheep? It always gets lost. Dumbest sheep we've got in the entire flock. I'll tell you, the other day, we were walking along, almost lost one of them, right over the ledge. And all of a sudden... The skies light up. I mean, they were brought to the place of attention. The shepherds, these ordinary, spiritually, I believe spiritually insecure. Can I tell you this morning, some of you come to church regularly and you're still spiritually insecure. You're not sure God loves you. Can I assure you today that God loves you and he doesn't want to leave you where he found you. He wants to take you to a bit better and a deeper place. And so these ordinary, insecure guys were rattled by the astonishing news. Listen to what the angel says. Listen carefully. It says that he, they brought good news that will cause great joy for all people. Christmas has never been just for the elite or well-connected. Now let me say something. It is for the elite and well-connected. Oh, come on, the wise men, they were elite. They were well-connected. They were wealthy. 
and the message of, of Christmas came to them. But let me say, the miracle of Christmas also comes to those of us who might consider ourselves a little more regular, a little more ordinary. Here was the message that came to them. Jesus came for everyone. He came for the wealthy men of the east, and he came for the lowly shepherds, the ordinary men and women of Bethlehem. The next thing that the angel declares to these men was astonishing, the truth of God's message of salvation. It comes in verse number 11. So take your Bible, look at verse number 11. It says, today, look at somebody say, today. Today you have two shopping days till Christmas. I just thought I'd throw that out there for some of you who were fully ill-prepared. Okay, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. There's the message. Today, a Messiah has been born to you. Wow, what a, what a great message that is brought forward. The angels next declared to these men this great message of, of salvation. The miracle of Jesus' coming and God's love has always been personal. I, I just want to say this. Jesus loves you, every one of you. He loves you, he knows about you, he knows your greatest strengths and your greatest fears. He knows the things where you're courageous and he knows the things that you worry about at night. And even though you battle in some of those areas, Jesus loves you. I don't know about you this Christmas, but I could use God's peace in my life. Anybody else could use some peace? Can I tell you one of the greatest gifts that Jesus came to bring is peace? Scripture declares that he comes as the prince of peace. The prince of peace. Jesus said, listen to this, John 14, verse 27. They'll probably put it on the screens. It says... Peace, I leave with you. Let's just say that out loud. Peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Can I tell you, that is not a suggestion. That's a command. God is saying to each of us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Pastor, how can I keep from having a troubled heart? I want to just tell you all, in a few weeks we're going to start a series entitled Putting Fear in Its Place. Well, let me tell you, friends, we have been ordered not to be afraid. Now, you might say, well, that's easy for Jesus to say. Well, let's think about that. John 14 is written just a few hours before Jesus is betrayed and he is sent to the cross. And in John 14, Jesus is meeting with his disciples for one of the last times, and he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. One person put it this way. They wrote, my assurance to you, you, you begin, begins, begins with this. Jesus is not a liar. Can I get an amen? If Jesus knew that the command, do not be afraid, was unattainable, he would not have asked us to do it. Yet this is exactly what he commanded. Did you, did you know Jesus commanded you, do not be afraid? Now how many of you say, well, 
that's kind of hard for me to do. Well, if that's how you feel, that's how I feel too sometimes. Do you have to work on your do not be afraid every day? Do you have to work on your mind thinking on good things, believing the promises of God when Satan is screaming at you, you can't. It won't happen. There's no way. God's forgotten about you. God has put too much pressure on you. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm with you. I'm going to help you. Let's look at one last thought. The miracle of Christmas, this is a good one, comes with a choice. Comes with a choice. As happens every year, the high point of the Christmas message came and ended. I know we're two days away from Christmas, but have any of you ever gone through Christmas before? It's not a trick question. How many of you would say this is not my first Christmas rodeo, right? You know, done it before. Okay. How many of you can then say that you have experienced, anybody, Christmas letdown? Oh, yeah. I'll give you probably the best example I can think of in my life. I was probably seven, eight, nine years old. Had to be in that range. It was a Christmas where we invited family over for the Christmas opening. We were going to open presents on Christmas Eve. How many of you open presents on Christmas Eve? How many of you wait till Christmas Day? How many of you just, let's do it both times. You know, look for as many opportunities as you can. Okay, so we were, it was a Christmas Eve opportunity for us. There were presents under the tree, but it was different because it wasn't just me and my mom and dad and my sister. All my grandparents were there, and we had an uncle there and a cousin. And, and so, man, the more people, I've not noticed this, the more people that come to Christmas, how many of you notice the more presents there are? Absolutely, praise the Lord. Yes, come on. Come one, come all. Don't come empty-handed. Okay, anyway, so it was that kind of Christmas, and, and it was, a, you know, the tree was there, and it starts off when the Christmas tree is beginning to be surrounded. How many of you know there's things under the tree, and then it begins to expand, and then, have you ever been to a Christmas where it begins to take over the living room? Oh, it was that kind of Christmas for me. I was, I was excited. I was a little kid, seven, eight, nine years old, and I'm looking and thinking, God, this is great. Yes! And so my mom and my grandma were in the other room. They were making, making the Christmas dinner, and, and we were getting ready for that special time. And, and then, it, sure enough, we ate dinner, and then we had the opportunity of opening presents. And, man, you're opening stuff. And when you're a kid, how many of you know, you, you tear into the packaging, posing for the pictures, you know? And you're getting in there, and, and after a while, you've got paper and boxes that are about knee-deep. Now, granted, your knees are only this tall, but that doesn't matter. It's coming up. And as, as you're getting into this stuff and getting excited about it, and then you, you have this, your, your goodies and, and all those things, and then they, they clean up the stuff, and, and then all of a sudden, here it comes, Christmas letdown. When all the paper has been taken out of the room, how many of you look at the tree and there's like that one present underneath there for Uncle such and such who didn't show? And you're looking at it thinking, Man, it's 364 more days until Christmas. If you're a kid like me, I went and checked that last present just to make sure that they didn't misread the tag. Anybody ever done that? Nah, it's not for me. And what is it? It's that letdown. As we become adults, it gets a little worse. How many of you understand that we don't rip down usually all of the Christmas decorations on the 26th? We, we make excuses for ourselves. Oh, let's enjoy Christmas a few days longer. The truth is, you don't want to rebox everything. 
that's getting to me in the middle of January and February. And people are looking at you strangely, and you're like, we got to get this stuff down. So you go back to the garage, you get out the box. How many of you have ever seen somebody who's really excited about undecorating the tree? Tis the season to undecorate, la, 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 la. No, never. You know, get, that's how people take the ornaments off. Right? They unwrap the string. I've never seen a guy outside undecorating the lawn like, yes. No. What is it? Christmas letdown. Did you know that the first Christmas had some Christmas letdown? I mean, it's recorded in Scripture, so let's read about it. Go to verse 15 and 16. When the angels had left them, there it is, and had gone into heaven, Right? One moment it's hallelujah, 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 amen, poof, gone. Right? And they're like, what was that? And one guy's like, I don't know. How many angels did you count? I got to 36 and then I went blind. Right? I mean, all those things are going on. And now they're gone. Now, if you're like most people, how many of you think that they just sat there quietly for a second? Like, are they coming back? But they weren't coming back. And then it goes and it reads a a little bit further. It says, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, the heavens had dimmed, the angels had left, and the shepherds were left with the choice of what to do with the Christmas miracle. Now, let me tell you, any group of people, there's always one person usually who has doubts. Anybody ever notice that? You ever get to, you know, it's a day like today. You'll go in the lobby, Merry Christmas. I doubt it. I mean, why would, you, why would you say that? Well, should we go to Bethlehem? Well, I don't know. Who's going to stick around with the sheep? Hate to lose any, right? There's always that guy. But they, they had to make a decision. Obedience, let me say it again, is what enables the miracles of Christmas. God does not honor disobedience. Oh, that's right. God doesn't honor disobedience. Now, God wants us to be obedient even ultimately, but God's desire for you and desire for me is to obey right now, not eventually. And some of you, friends, let me just tell you, some of your struggle is that you, you're, you, you don't want to be disobedient. You're saying, you know, eventually I'm going to obey, but uh, I don't want to now. Right? Now, when we don't obey now, what happens? We block the blessing. We block the blessing. We block the miracle from coming into our lives. Honestly, that is what many people are struggling with today. They're at a crossroads. What am I going to do with the Christmas miracle? It's personal. God wants to bless you. He's for you. Can I tell you, God's for you. He's not against you. Jesus came that you could have life and that you could have it to the full. Obedience is what enables the miracles of Christmas. God doesn't honor disobedience. The shepherds decided, therefore, to embrace what they had been given. 
It says, so they hurried off. I believe that indicates that even if there was a doubting guy who said, well, I don't know what we're gonna do with the sheep, they said, well, you can stay with them if you want, but we're gonna go see about the Messiah that the angel said came. And I think that that guy probably is like, well, I guess I'll go too, right? And I'm not gonna stand here with the sheep over myself. So they all went. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You see, Christmas is something you either receive or allow to fall unreceived and unopened. The men, and maybe women in this case, made the journey. They found, what did they find? Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now that was a sign to them because who puts a baby in a feed trough, right? Now, the angels knew that the baby was going to be lying in the feed trough because there was no room in the inn. The shepherds who were out in the field working the night shift didn't know that. And so when they get to town, they're looking for a baby. Anybody seen a baby? Well, there's been a few babies born tonight. Really? Oh, wow. Where could it be? And they said, I heard something that was from that over there, that area where the animals were. And they went and they found the baby lying in the manger. Can I tell you, God has a word for you and it may seem strange. Anybody ever heard a word from God and it seemed a little weird? Or far-fetched? Hard to believe? I wonder if they're walking to Bethlehem and they're thinking, you know, I know those were angels. I know they were real. I know it was really bright. But I wonder, do you really think we'll find a baby in a manger? I don't know. Let me tell you, friends, God will not fail you. He always does exactly what he says he will do. They did come. And they saw, let me tell you, it also changed their experience of what the future looked like. And here's a great key that we want to end with today. Your Christmas miracle will change what you think the future looks like. Can I tell you, all of us believe that we kind of know what the future is going to look like for us, right? You have an idea, and I think it's going to go like this, probably like this, few of these and some of that. But can I tell you, this changed them. They, they, they were living their lives in such a way that they thought they knew what the future would look like. But it says in verse 17, when they had seen him, speaking of Jesus in the manger, they spread word concerning what had been told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What did the shepherds say? They had to speak of their experience. We were out in the field. We were minding our own business. All of a sudden, this one angel comes, and then the sky is filled, and they declared that to us, to, to me, to you, a Savior had been born. They knew who this was, the Messiah. You understand that a lot of them were looking for the Messiah. Now, they were anticipating the Messiah to be a great political leader. They probably weren't thinking about, ah, where is he born? How is he born? We're not really sure. We knew he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but, but we, you know, it's probably going to be powerful and mighty when he get, comes on the scene. They didn't expect it this way. Let me tell you, the miracle, the answer that God has for you may not come to you the way you expected it to come. It may come wrapped different. Anybody ever gotten a present that was wrapped different? Come on, how many of you gotten a present that was poorly wrapped? Somebody gives it to you, and you're like, thank you. Right? And, I, and you may have had, has anybody ever gotten a present that was poorly wrapped, but was a big surprise? You were surprised at what was in it. You're like, what? Man, I'm never going to underestimate this person's wrapping skills again. I don't really care. 
You see, God's gift to all of us, the miracle, it may not come how you expect. I think that's a powerful, it's a, that's a powerful word to me. Because I have, how many of us have expectations of how God's going to do it? He's going to do it like this. God rarely does it like this. Refusing for us today, fear is a choice. Some of you say, I can't refuse fear. My fear's too big. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says, you can. You can push it back. As the musicians come, for the shepherds, the first Christmas started out overwhelming. We're not worthy of this message. We're not worthy of this word. God knew our flaws, our weaknesses, the things that we've been talking about around the shepherd campfire. He would never come and talk to us. Can I tell you, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves each and every one of us. They were included. It might not have made sense to others. Can I tell you the fact that you sit in this room this morning may not make sense to anybody else. It may not even really make sense to you, but God loved you enough that he wanted to share with you one more time today that Jesus loves you. That Jesus loves you. They responded because it was a personal call to them. My statement to us today is Jesus' call is personal to you today. There's not one individual in this room today who Jesus doesn't love and care about personally. But you have to have a, a choice. Some of you have been making good choices, but you wonder if you can keep making them. Let me tell you something. We all struggle with that fear. Scripture tells us we've never been tempted with more than we can bear. But with the temptation, God will make a way of escape that you can bear up under it. Can I tell you today, friends, if you just continue holding on to that Christmas miracle, the truth that Jesus came and loves you, you'll never be disappointed. And you'll find that on the other side of that, it'll change your future.